And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now with me today, I have a prior guest who was with us on our very first ever live audience show, where for those of you listening, we may have claimed that there was tens of thousands of people there. In all reality, there was about a hundred. Now that we were talking before we hit record that that felt like about 200 years ago. Now, before I let you know who that is. And for those of you watching on the live stream, you now know because I actually clicked the button that put the name up. But today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, I mentioned back from several hundred episodes ago, we did a live audience performance and we had two guests, one of which was Isaac Collins. And Isaac is the owner and founder of a lot of different things, Yogurtini, Superhero Yogurt. He's done a lot of different things, and we're going to hear more about that. But first off, welcome back, Isaac. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you again. I feel like it has been yeah, a long it, time. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it does. Now, it wasn't that long ago, though. I mean, that was, uh, maybe it was. It was It was a year and a half ago, probably. It feels like maybe so two. longer than that. We've had a hell of a year, though, so... Yeah, well, 2020 has that effect. I think we go back and look at 2020 kind of like we look at dog years, like you get like six. So yeah. I'm not actually 45. I'm like 51 now. I've always said there's entrepreneur years, though. So well, I guess I that maybe that's a great right. place to start. How many entrepreneur years have you aged since I, <laughs> since you were last on Startup Hustle? <laughs> Man, it it feels like so long between business ventures and just all the things we've had in 2020 election and racial injustice and COVID-19. It just feels like it's been a forever. So yeah, you said it's been a year and a half in my mind. It was three years. So it feels like double the time for sure. <laughs> you know, for those of us in Kansas city, the year got off to such a promising start. The chiefs finally won the yeah, Super Bowl for we the got first it. time in my, in my lifetime, uh, which was pretty, pretty darn exciting. Yeah, 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 born and raised, man. All man. like, I mean, not only am I from Kansas City, my my family first uh, pitched a tent here in 1870. Wow, 150 years. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, uh, and you know, for those of you that are local, and I know you're sometimes down in the area. At one point, my uh, my my great great, I think it was two great grandfathers, was the sheriff of Westport. Wow, which that's crazy. Yeah, they, like yeah, that w it definitely wasn't what it is now, which is bars and hipsters. So, yep, 100%. but yeah. So, well, well, let's get, let's start with a little bit of update because you know your the the yogurt business is still is still booming for you or chugging along, depending how you want to look at it. But let's let's start, Isaac, with a little. Let, let's uh, fill in some of the gaps. How have the last couple of years been? 
Sure. They've been really good. Um, as far as yogurt business goes, when I was with you guys a year and a half or two years ago or so, I think my wife and I, we only had one. We had the one on the plaza, um, the plaza location. And so since then, we've actually added two more. The people who live around the Kansas City area, we added one in um, Liberty, Northeast, if you will, Kansas City. And then, gosh, two, three months ago now, we just added another location in um, Overland Park, 135th and Antioch. So we're kind of stretching the entirety of the city to kind of corner it in and whatnot. So it's been really, really good. Um, obviously, the third location opened during a pandemic, which is, that's a whole other story. But yeah, it's been pretty solid for us. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because... You know, the sometimes, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but sometimes times like this are the right times to make moves. Sometimes they are the furthest from the right times to make moves. But what made you want to open another location in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, well, I honestly, I think you nailed it. So I told my team this a couple months ago. I was like, either you guys are going to think I'm absolutely crazy or you're going to think I'm a genius after this. So I guess time will tell on that. Which one you never get to know that up front. You never yep, know up yep. front. Right? We'll, we'll find out, I guess. Um, but it's just something that we've been working on. You know, we've been looking anywhere from two to four locations around the city for the past couple of years. And um, the one that we were looking at was actually the northwest corner of Kansas City. This one wasn't even on our radar. But when the pandemic hit, Honestly, everyone's freaking out. I'm freaking out. My wife's freaking out. We don't know what's going to happen to our finances and our businesses. And I had about probably five weeks where I just didn't know how to handle it. And then I finally switched my mindset. And I'm like, I can either keep freaking out and thinking that the sky is going to fall and we're going to lose everything, or I can go into attack mode and try to get something positive out of this. So, you know, through all of that, I had the thought of, should we sell the business? Should we close the business? What, how, how can we pivot? What should we do? And I started to think, hey, if I'm having these thoughts of, hey, run, I'm scared, fear, et cetera, other people in the industry are probably thinking the same thing. So I actually decided to send an email and reach out to all of my competitors in Kansas City. And I just asked them if they want to sell. I was like, hey, times are weird right now. You don't know what's going to happen are you interested in having a conversation of selling? And out of the five I contacted, four wrote back and said yes. So I was like, okay, cool. So I was having conversations with all those four just to see what would come about, see who was serious and see who actually had it at a good price. And out of the four, I narrowed it down to the one that I thought that was the best deal and decided to move on it. And we did, we got it really cheap. Uh, it's a great location. It's in a very affluent area. And, um, you know, kind of how we were talking before uh, we got on here, it's it's one of those things where if you can survive in metaphorical winter and then coming up on the actual winter, then you can survive in the actual and metaphorical summer, which will be here in six, seven months. So if we can weather through this pandemic and through the winter, then when spring and summer comes and hopefully the pandemic is over or better, then we'll be in a better situation. So that's why we pulled the trigger on it. Well, you talk about surviving the winter. Now, I, I don't know if you know this about me. My family was in, you talk about my history in Kansas City. Well, my family was in the ice cream and dairy business for okay. 60 years. Really? And uh, decor, yeah, DeCourcy milk and ice cream, baby. I just posted a picture on Facebook of, 
of a collection of old milk and ice cream stuff. Now that ended in the early sixties, but when it comes to anything frozen, you're right about surviving the winter. Cause yeah, that's not exactly, that's not the boom time for a lot of frozen just stuff in general and, yeah. and neither is a pandemic. So I have a couple of questions we don't have to, uh, I, and we don't have to uh, go through any details, but how the heck do you value uh, put a valuation on a, a retail ice cream or yogurt shop in the middle of a pandemic when people aren't really leaving their homes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've done a lot of these kind of things, podcasts and everything. And, and the answer is different every time, but it just really depends on how you do business. Um, the actual valuation is really hard because as time goes on, brick and mortar food establishments, the evaluation is going down more and more because rents and triple nets are raising and minimum wage is going up, et cetera. So there's less profit in them. So they're becoming less profitable and they're becoming worth less. However, we like to focus on more than just the product. And I think that's really helped us in having successful stores when, again, if you're in the Kansas City area, frozen dessert places are closing right and left between orange leaf frozen yogurt and Peachway and some dairy Baskin Robbins, et cetera. Um, Gloss they just closed on on South Plaza. But for us, we really want to focus on community. We're building people up, we're building community, et cetera. And that's allowing people to actually know us and care about us so they'll come around us. So um, is that going to have value when we go to sell at some point someday? Yeah, I hope so. Do I know that? Again, I don't really know, uh, but it's helping us stay alive now and, and profit from that. So that's been awesome. Really, the community that's come around us. I mean, people just supporting local, like it's going out of style. Um, I'm actually pretty impressed with Kansas City um, in that regard. Well, let's talk about that. And this is not always the most comfortable topic for some people to engage in. But you, know, you mentioned earlier, this has been a tumultuous year, everything from pandemics to racial injustice to you know, changes in presidency and stuff like that. Now you've been, um, you've been an outspoken member of the African-American business community. I've seen you yeah. in a lot of articles. So let's, let's talk about your involvement in that. Cause let's be realistic. Like whether, regardless of who you are, that's as a business owner, that's scary shit to get into. Cause you know, like, well, anytime, okay. I I'm embarrassed to say that, my most engaged social post of the year was over the over the weekend because I find the electoral college. I said it was dumb because it doesn't make sense to me on many days. Mm -hmm. And 118 comments later, I was like, "Good God, people, do something <laughs> productive here!" I you saw know, all your but, posts. You know, I was loving it. I, but I, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> like none of it was inflammatory. Like I was just saying, like it doesn't make sense to me. So you know, I did. I didn't say anything crazy. You know, I didn't say anything that crazy. Is so and then you, politicized. I know, but so you get 118 comments line. on anything. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> thing was, is at the end of all that, and I largely sat it out. And I, did, I, and I, I don't like to make posts about, about stuff like that because I'm really not a controversial dude. But at the end of that one, I said, I did say, well, thanks to everyone for acting like adults in here. Like, <laughs> we'll never agree with each other, but you acted like adults. So go for it. But, That's you know, when it, came, when, it came, when it came to the summer, you, I, I read a few articles with and about you and stuff like that. How did, you know, what was your approach going into that? I mean, feel free to say what you like, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that. Um, it was tough because in the beginning, 
I, you just mentioned calculated. Like I didn't calculate anything, and maybe I should have on the front side, but my heart goes out to my community because the world looks at me first as a black man instead of looking at me as a person or a or or, or an entrepreneur. And so all three of my businesses are in luxury affluent areas. And so, you know, I probably should have been more calculated as things definitely did affect my business. Um, but also there's so many layers that go to it. For instance, I wasn't saying anything radical. I was just saying that we do need reform in certain areas. So of color feel like they can actually belong in all, aspe all aspects of the city. They can feel safe. There's no police brutality against them, et cetera. Um, for instance, there are a lot of systems that are people of color down in Kansas City. And if you don't live in Kansas City, you may not believe this. There's an insane amount of redlining that's going on where there's literally what we call in Kansas City the truce wall, where it's like if you live west of the truce wall, it's regular home values. Everything's normal. That's where it's majority um, white. And if you go east of the truce wall, it is majority black. And you may have a house that sits right on the west side of that truce wall that is a normal value, say a three bed, two bath for $250,000. The second you cross that divide, that home value goes down to $25,000, $75,000 immediately because of the deeds and the red lighting that happened there back in the 1920s um, that is causing segregation. And that's just one thing. And one thing we were really vocal about around when George Floyd was murdered and on May 25th was, hey, that happened in Minneapolis, but there's there are those things that's happening here in cities, story after story from Ryan Stokes to many other people um, of how police brutality is happening against minorities here in Kansas City. And so it's it's not a you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm in the camp of the police, 100%, all that kind of stuff, but I am in the camp of humanity and justice and equality. Every single person, black, white, brown, everything in the middle of that, old, gay, straight, etc. Um, I just think if we just supported each other, it would be awesome. So those are the things that I was kind of speaking out on, and those are the things that I was bringing right? And I would say that most people were like, yes, that's a good message. Um, and thank you for telling your story because I was sharing some racist things that happened to me in my business in Kansas City, which is 30% Black. It's a pretty diverse city, but I've had racist things happen to me from being called words inside my business, from people confused how a Black guy could own a business on the Country Club Plaza to um, selling, hey, who, who gave you this? And everything in between. And, uh, you know, there were there was some backlash that happened to me after that. Well, people flat out came out on our social media pages after knowing that it's owned by a black person saying, hey, thanks for letting me know that. Now I know where it's not to spend my money. And I'm wow. like, this is 2020 in, in a diverse city like Kansas City on the Country Club Plaza in the heart of the city for everyone to see. It wasn't a direct message. It was a comment on an article that I posted on our Facebook page. And... It's just crazy. Oh, wow. There's a lot that goes into it. And I'm like, I, I only thing I said it was we need equality. I didn't say 
whatever, whatever, right? No, I, re I read the articles. You know, they, I mean, they weren't, man. they weren't what we would, they, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't inflammatory. You weren't yeah. uh, trying to be divisive. You certainly weren't trying to get people to do crazy stuff mm -mm. or anything. Like that. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that because that's just shitty. And it's, it's a wild thing, man. But, you know, yeah, at the end of the day... I, I, it's something, it's something I, I have a hard time wrapping my arms around, you know, and it's, you know, you mentioned that at the beginning and it's, it's funny because I get accused of being very binary, um, you know, so like you are an entrepreneur to me, you're not just a, a yeah. black entrepreneur or a black business owner. And, you know, we, you know, full scales invested a, a quite a bit of money in local startups and we got most of the way through it before we realized that, over half of it was to minority and female founders. And I, I was like, that, shit, man. that's awesome. But here's the, the, the funny thing. Either I wasn't paying what I didn't do it on purpose. I'm not going to take credit for like yeah. pre-thought diversity in that regard, because for me, like, and I said that binary option and I wish more people were like this because it's a business opportunity or it's not. And it yep. doesn't, to me, I don't care if it's, if it's black, white, other, you know, whatever, it's like, this is a good opportunity and this is a good person to be in business with, or it isn't. And yep. now, now, but, but with that, and, and, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we run into a lot is, okay, so like in tech, it's painfully, painfully dude centric. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, it's hard now one at, at our office at, in, at, uh, in Cebu city in the Philippines, 20% of our, of our tech staff is female, mm -hmm. which is like a landslide victory yeah. compared to here where it's difficult on many days for me to find a female developer. Like I know very few of them. So you run into a lot of different stuff. So it, it is challenging a, a little bit as a business person, because sometimes the numbers are against you a little mm -hmm. bit. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, so that, that part gets hard, but the open, I don't know, man, why do why do so many motherfuckers got to be haters there? Yeah. I said it, I mean, I'm going to try to stay, to. I'm going to try to stay in my lane a little bit. Cause like I said, I don't like, uh, it, you know, here's the thing for those of you listening, it, there, there's a great way to, to ruin your business. And that's to talk about religion, sex, or politics publicly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like now, I mean, because the thing is, is with either three of those topics, you have a higher you have a higher chance of, of of not aligning with someone. So like we try to avoid that in the office in a lot of different places too, because the thing is is like, you know, and we have to try we're, we're haters if we try to not respect other people's opinions. But at the same time, I mean, when they're just hateful for being hateful, that just sucks. Yeah. Like that's yeah. I mean, that's not cool. So I so that, that that was that 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 what there was a trickle down effect on, in that regard. But the uh, question was, is did more did some people line up to support you as well? Was that was, you know, because, hey, by the way, man, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you do. Someone's always going to throw stones at you. 100%. As I've learned that. I mean, there's yeah. just no way to uh, there's just no way to avoid it. And the better you do. And the faster you do it or the bigger you do it, the more some of those people line up. But I think the important thing to do is just, well, A, those aren't the people you want to do business with anyway. Those aren't the people that are going to help you get to where you want. So let them just be angry. It doesn't make it right. But, you know, getting too carried away with it, you're giving them what they want, which 100%. is you are back. Yeah. So, so did you, did you see, I have to imagine you saw some community alignment though. Cause I know a lot of people were really praising your, your position there. Oh my gosh. So that article from startling news went viral. Like it was, I had friends who, who read it 
coast, west coast. I don't know how it got out there, but social media in 2020. And it was amazing. We had overwhelming support, local support, regional support, some national support. It got picked up by other articles just simply because I told my story. That was the main part of it is I wasn't making something up. I wasn't fabricating. I wasn't talking about someone else's experience. I was talking about my own experience as a Black person. And some people um, understood it because they'd been, been going through the same thing. Or some people who didn't understand it and didn't think that was happening were like, oh my gosh, I flew. So people overwhelmingly were like, yes, we're going to support this business. We hear you. That's terrible that you went through that. More so, thank you for bringing it to the light so we can learn from it. So overwhelmingly, we had so much support. And I don't even know if the people who spoke out or did those things or said those things were customers in the first place. You, you don't know. There's no way to really track it. And so if they were, it is what it is. You know, I, I wish you the best. I hope at some point you'll you'll come back in and get a fro-yo and we can then have a conversation. But if not, that's okay. But in the meantime, I, uh, a lot of people can. There, there, there's, there's two words that matter in, in business on many days, and that's sold and next. Sometimes yep. you just got to say next, moving on down the line. And, you know, it's uh, uh, that's a, that's a challenge. So how did you grow from that? You know, what was the what was did you was there a, a, a crown jewel of a message that emerged from that or any growth or leadership that came out of it? Yeah, um, I actually got a lot of feedback from some mentors of mine, and um, I never understood, like what you just said earlier about those things that you never talk about, sex, religion, and politics, I never understood it until that moment. I was like, okay, even if it, it, if, even if it isn't that, if it resembles any of those three at all, because for some reason racial injustice is political now, <laughs> which makes no sense then people will not agree with you and it's going to hurt your business. And so, you know, for me, it was, uh, this should not hurt my business because this is such an important topic. And my mentors were like, it's not your choice of what hurts your business and what people don't agree with. If they think it is something that is a hot topic and you speak on one side, you're always going to have people speak on the other side. So what I learned from that is you have to pick and choose when and how where you share your message. And so I continue to share different articles like I've written um, on our journey. But as far as the work I did for my advocacy, going to protests, speaking out against racial injustice, I started doing that in a better way where it wouldn't come back to harm my business. One thing, created a uh, diversity inclusion training that we did, um, not just for the whole world to see, you actually had to sign up. And what we found is you care about that work then you'll sign up if you don't care about the work you're not going to sign up so you won't see it so putting it in a realm where it's self-contained versus having it out for the whole world to see and someone stumbles upon it and either they they do like it or they don't like it well now it's since it's self-contained you're not going to see it unless you want to so that works so much better and we did uh one of those a month for the past almost six months and it just kept growing and it was beautiful it was awesome yeah, that's you know, it's uh, I, I'm a I'm a sociologist at heart. Um, I even tried to major in that, and I very quickly realized I might have a difficult time making the kind of money I wanted to make doing it. But I've always uh, been an admirer 
of 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 the craft of you know sociological science and, and you, you see a lot i mean man you there's it, for so many different reasons you you know it's it's one tweet or a post or a comment or a position and you i mean you see people destroy legacies yeah you know and and there's a um oh man who was it was it jim was it the jimmy johns guy or someone like that like posted a picture like he had like shot a lion or an elephant or something next thing you know game over and well the crossfit guy the crossfit guy was one of the the i mean didn't yeah i mean well it's i mean the list is too long it goes on and on and on and it does it's just as if people don't learn and Um, I mean, I, uh, you know, here I am in, in my middle, in my middle-aged years. And I mean, that's been going on since I could remember it. You just see people making, you know, dumb comments and I, part you know, at me growing up, that's where my dad was always like, you know, son, there's just some things that you don't, you don't, t- you don't get too involved with unless you're really ready to get involved with them, you mm-hmm. know? So, yep. and that's it. Now that's it. That I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not telling people to not speak their mind, but you gotta be, you gotta be prepared for what comes with it and give yeah. some thought to it, you know? And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, that's I, honestly part of the reason I don't get too opinionated in the social medias is I just don't have the energy or interest in arguing I got other things to do, you know. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not I'm not a very political person, you know. I just don't. There's really also get a better way to spend your time could. too. Well, that's my point. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I've got other things to do. Minds. So why no. try? That's what no. I learned in the whole you're, process. You, no, you're usually just kind of bouncing back and forth. And you know, here's the thing: is like you probably have a hard time changing my opinion. I have a hard mm-hmm. time changing yours. So, you know, you kind of get yeah. into that loss of productivity. Um, if, I, if I kind of want to have a conversation one on one, though, it would be I would be way more apt to hear your side. That, that's a different. Side. That's a different scenario. Yeah, yeah that's social a media. Zero percent yeah. of the time is that going to change someone's mind. But if we are having one on one coffee or one on one Zoom, breaking it down, and we don't have the outside pressures of other people seeing and giving their input, there's been times where I had really good conversations on social media, and then one person hops in and gives their opinion, and that whole conversation. It, then the dumpster fire begins. Yeah. Yeah. I had a different post. That was it. That was, I'm done with political posts for like four more years, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, I, you know, and I don't even want to get into it because it's just, it's, I just find it tiresome, man, you know, yep. and it's uh, uh, now I'm sure, you know, honestly, like it, and I try to do the best I can to, you know, I always tell people, so we were talking about sociology just a second ago. And if you look at a picture of a cow and it's standing sideways and that cow mm-hmm. is all white, can you tell me that it's not a spotted cow? And the answer is no, because you only see one side of the cow. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things in life I always try to do is I always think about the cow. And I actually had a professor in college hold up a picture of a cow and said, is this a spotted cow? And half the people in the class are like, no. And half the people are like, you got to look at, you got to look what what's the other side look like? What's the top look yep. like? Does, does it have spots on its tail? Cause technically you know, and that's and that's the thing that that I think it's important to do not only in life but in business. You know, and, and with business, you look at things at a lot of different angles. And you know, we we're kind of going back to the top of this episode, and you talk about sometimes there's 
okay, look, sitting around and waiting for other people to fail so you can take advantage of a business opportunity isn't really a a model that I subscribe to. Mm -hmm. But that said, uh, you know, as COVID has unfolded, there's a lot of people that, okay, the winners and losers are being pushed to one side of the chart. Um, And then, you know, you mentioned earlier, you're like, well, we're COVID okay. You know, or like, you know, there's, there are definitely some people that I, I asked someone the other day, I said, well, how's, how's business? And said, well, I'm flat. I said, dude, you're winning. That's a win this year. But, <laughs> I would but honestly, if you, it, sure. but you know, it's not, but the thing is, is uh, so it was probably, oh, I don't know. I almost got stuck in the Philippines in March. I almost didn't make it back because I was there like as everything broke out, got made it out on the last day that international flights were leaving. Uh, made it back, right. uh, overcame some jet lag, started to kind of look at things, you know, like you were saying, like had that moment where I woke up every day and had, and, and you know, that, that five seconds before you realize, oh shit, this is going on. That's right. Um, and, you know, you look at a lot of different stuff. And at one point it was probably at the end of April at this point, my wife says to me, she goes, you seem like you're handling this really well. I said, it's just another, it said, well, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Yeah. Learn how to said, well, what do you, what do you mean? This has never occurred before. I said, this is just ups and downs again. I mean, it's, it's, it's predictable. Like it, the longer you go without calamity, the sooner you should probably expect it to occur. And, you know, you you can, but the thing is, is if you just uh, look at everything as fail, 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 like that's the only outcome, then that's the only outcome you should expect. Now, that's it. That's so, and that's part of my next question. So at some point amidst all this, rather than pursuing people to acquire, did you consider saying maybe it's time to fold up and figure it out later? Yeah. It, it, I mean, in, in full transparency, yeah. I mean, you could even ask my wife, like those first five weeks, I was I was freaking out and I honestly didn't know how to cope um, because everyone else's kind of quarantine started when the pandemic hit. For me, mine started a month before that because a month before that, I tore my, uh, I tore my Achilles. So mm. I'd been laid up and I'd been house bedridden Written since February 21st. And so I was already kind of in a negative mindset, if I'm, if I'm telling you the truth. And when it hit, I kind of hit, I got kind of got like the woe is me, here we go again, it's starting to pile on. And in that time frame, I didn't know how bad it was going to be. I mean, if you remember, people were talking about this is the next plague, all these people are going to die. Um, small businesses aren't going to open for X amount of time, like the unknown started to eat me alive. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen, I have no clue. And so I started to look at, hey, do we close? Do we sell? Do we um, try to sell off, you know, inventory? You know, trying to negotiate with with landlords. And yeah, I I got to a point where I was like, "This, this is it. I've worked almost 10 years as an entrepreneur and now I'm going to lose everything because of this stupid pandemic. Um, and honestly, it took my wife and it took a lot of prayer and just getting away from the media and everything that they were saying for me to understand, you know what, actually things are okay. They're not good, obviously, but we're not going to die tomorrow. Um, and I look back at that and I'm like, man, like just the media can really control your thought process. 
because I was there. I was down. I was down and I was out and I was looking at every way to get out and trying to to mitigate and lessen the man, the amount of money, you know, because if I had a service home based business, it wouldn't be a big deal. There's minimal overhead, but the average overhead I have per month at each of my stores, it's $40,000. In April, we did $4,000 at each location. The amount it of take, it doesn't take, it doesn't take too long at that rate. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah the we, amount we, of money. We, I mean, we went, we went through the same thing. Like, done. It's yeah. not like, Oh, we can last a year. I, I'm, st I'm still in it. I'm still in it. man. like we, and at full scale Cebu, I, I have two entire floors of a skyscraper. Mm. that no more than 10 people have occupied at any given time oh my god since since march 15th when i sent everyone home and yeah. and the day before that i had given a speech to the company because things were changing so rapidly at that point you know yeah. and like i kind of like i was kind of like hey let, we're we're in this together we're going to make the decisions when and how you know they make sense and at the speed at which business and life and science dictate like we're not going to panic based on anything else and then you know and then it, literally that next day uh they start canceling the ncaa tournament mm -hmm. um you and you were there you know full scale had a suite that we used to entertain uh local yeah. uh, entrepreneurs they were literally in the middle of an event for the big 12 tournament when they canceled the rest of the big 12 tournament Oh my God. Um, you talk about like what a difference like your landscape was. I believe last year you and I and our wives in that same suite attended, we went to see the Backstreet Boys or mm -hmm. someone like that. Like yep. I can't remember when it was. And I had so, so many people reach out. They're like, would you love to go to the your least favorite concert of the year before? And I was like, hey, amen. Which one? Pick any right. of them. You know, any, we, didn't, we haven't even, I haven't even been in that building this year. In fact, it's been so long. They actually changed the name. It's no longer the Sprint Center. It's now the T-Mobile. T-Mobile, right? And yep. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you go through a bunch of so stuff, crazy. and you know, that's that's the thing. I think the thing that that I've had to remind myself on so many days is that during times, and I, I'm tired of saying during challenging times like these. It's like a little played out at this point, but but during challenging times like these, good leaders find ways to put all of this weight on their shoulders. Yep. and carry everything and oh man it's excruciating like you lot. talk about and it, it i mean it's a it's it, i it's a lot when you have a couple people i got 200 employees now oh, and man. then you've got to you've got to take it in multiples because you know those people have families and then all of a sudden it starts to stack up and like it does begin to feel really overwhelming because the decisions you make while they're not on many days set in concrete, you are drawing them with your finger in wet concrete, you know, yeah. like, you know, some That's of them, really some of them are, actually. I mean, it really is. It's like, how quick is it going to dry? I don't know. Is it in the sun? Is there a fan next to it? Are we pouring more concrete into it? Is it raining? I mean, these are all like, and you don't know. And now you mentioned one thing that, about the waiting and I, I, I quoted Tom Petty so many times, the waiting is the hardest part. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm no, not an, I'm no, not an inherently patient person, you know, like that's actually what makes me pretty good at what I do. It's cause I am go, 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 go. But sometimes, yep. you know, I, 
I mentioned earlier being in the, in the, I, I was joking with my wife the other day, cause she, I, I had done the dishes and she was like, where's my husband and what did you do with him? I'm <laughs> Are like, you, sick? Are you, you know, okay? I, I was like, when I turned 45, I've really, I've really learned to appreciate the important things like supporting you. Mm-hmm. And but you know, <laughs> but on, on the real on the real note, like, and I would still do still want to do that, like uh, having a little a, a higher level of patience and watching things develop, which is a challenge when you feel like everything's on fire. You're 100%. like, hang on, this fire will probably put itself out, and you see like a fuel truck over to the side that's just spraying stuff wildly, and you're like, I don't know, an empty fire hose to put it out, and it's like, ah. At what point did that calm down and resolve for you? Like at what point were you like, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to make it. So my wife was telling me the whole time, we'll be fine. It's going to be a, she's definitely the most rational and she's also people's favorite part of our relationship. And I get that like people like her more than me. They should. She's awesome. Um, <laughs> I go through that too. Yeah. yeah like, here. That's fine. That's a compliment. I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, I, mm, so pandemic started in March. I didn't start coming down until September and it's right now, November. <laughs> it wasn't, it, I, I was in, and I'm the same as you. I get moving and working on so many things that people looking in who know me from the outside think that it's a bad thing and it can be get, you get in too much. And I, I don't know about you, but I have this wave of being overwhelmed into way too much and bored. And so then it just keeps going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so, um, you know, during this time I was bored one, because I couldn't be in my store. So I was trying to make something happen. And two, I I'm, I'm fearful for losing everything. So I'm trying to make something happen. And, um, you know, we launched the third location Overland park, August 21st. And that whole time I was still freaking out. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. We have to make this happen you know, this Overland Park location needs to profit some. And I have to negotiate so many good deals where we can still make, and I did, I negotiated no royalties for six months, no rent for six months. So we had a lot of room to be able to make some money in that time. And I mean, if I'm going to be honest, we launched August 21st and it took me a month. Um, that, that following month of launching, I really hit the bottom and I just felt really down like I just kind of felt all the weight because I, for months, I was trying to get this project launched of Yogurtini Overland Park. And once it actually launched and I didn't have that adrenaline going anymore, all the weight of the last six months or so hit me at one time. And I had a month where I was just like very unproductive and very down and trying to figure out my emotions, et cetera. Um, and then in September, uh, I started to feel better. I started to distance myself from social media. I started to do the positive self-care. I started to really focus on the things like you're saying that we can really appreciate. Like everything that I've ever wanted in my life, I have. I have the businesses. I have a beautiful life. I have the house. I have the full fridge. Um, I have all these things. And so it, it took me a long time. And now I just feel so grateful. Um, this year still sucks. Don't hear me say that. Yeah. Doesn't. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna go back go back yeah. and and when and want like, to sub it out. Great. Yeah. 
2020 uh, was awesome, man. Yeah. Like I can't wait. Yeah, things. Let's do it, that it's again. funny. I, I I tell people a lot. I say that the uh, the uh, the kiss of death. If you hear yourself saying this in your business, is if things were only like they used to be. Yeah. Well, now we get to say that in a good. It, in we a good hope way. that we. Like, we yeah, you not, won't get to say yeah. that. You won't get to say that. So it becomes an excuse. Now, yeah. Once again, it's today's like episode start. What, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now we have some some great comments that have come in on the mm. live stream. So let's let's uh, you know. T- Hurston uh, fails saying it's wild that just discussing and seeking humanity has become problematic and salacious. It has, it has, uh, get another one coming in. J Michael Downs. He says very hard to stay neutral as a business owner. And then he followed it up with saying closed mouth gathers no foot, which is true, which is true. It is hard to put your foot in your mouth if it's closed. So, uh, you know, and then some compliments coming in. This just says Facebook user, but Mm. um, it says the man, the myth, the people's legend, love hearing him speak and love this episode and follow it up with Isaac. Isaac Lee Collins is the best. Now that just said (laughs) Facebook user. So I'm assuming that that's not your wife making the comment, but even if it was, that's okay. Either Um, way, I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, a compliment's a compliment, right? Words of affirmation is my first love language. So I'll, I'll take, I'll take that. We, uh, well, it's funny you talk about affirmations and the, uh, the, you know, I actually, I I'm the opposite. It's uh, pray. I'm so undriven by praise. Like that's Mm -hmm. not my motivating factor, but uh, that's helpful to know though, if you know what, what drives you and what really makes is. you tick and, and, and also what sets you off track. Um, yep. you know, and there's so many things that can and will do that. Now, one of the things that, that I found challenging this year was, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that we've been up to and that we do require super advanced planning. So, you know, in the middle of the summer, we expanded start a puzzle into more of a network feel, Lauren Conaway and Andrew Morgan's hosting regular episodes, doing stuff like that. We had planned that months in advance. And, you know, the part of as we were doing that um, was in the middle of of a lot of the protesting and stuff like that. As someone that that uh, anytime you do things that that you want to garner attention, you always look at something. You're like, well, is this the right time? And we were kind of like. It's 2020. Fuck it. Let's just yeah. throw it out there and see what happens. So what could happen? You know, we got to, well, we got to work with that. And then, you know, that parlay that, that went really well. And thank you for everyone out there that is listening for the warm and gracious support that you gave Andrew and, uh, and, and Lauren, because they have, it's their involvement at startup hustle has, has been very formative for them in, in a lot of different ways. And we were really excited to get them out there. And, you know, now we're going to, now we're going to do a web series, which is uh, people are like, what are you, t- what are you doing? You're starting a TV show. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, kind of. So we'll, we'll uh, we have lots of fun and interesting information to come out about that. And that's going to uh, basically follow the stories of entrepreneurs across a lot of different industries, a lot of different locations. I think that so much about the quote startup uh, moniker is wrapped around tech. And, uh, you, you know, if you're a, a rock band that just formed, you're a startup. 
If you're, a, you know, like if you're an artist, you're a startup. If you want to start a sneaker line, you're a startup. If you have a yogurt shop, you're a startup. So I want to ask you, like, what does startup founder mean to you? It's a great question. So, <clears throat> so from my background, I got into being a business owner as um, a franchise owner. Uh, my first business was a Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory. Um, and I owned a franchise store. And so I, I used to, had... I used to live in, I used to live in Durango, Colorado, where that's oh, you know from. all about it. I used to deliver lunches there when I was like 21 years old, they were like three doors down. Oh yeah. Desna Park. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. You knew all yeah. about it. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. You. I, did, I wasn't expecting to hear your Rocky mountain chocolate. Factory. No, you're good. <laughs> yeah. I've been to that back. Amazing. Um, so I did that for four years and actually Yogurtini is a franchise as well. And we, um, I run it like it's just a straight startup local but it is a franchise. Um, and so I kind of had this little skewed perspective of like a franchise business isn't a real business because if you're in startup world, like I have been for a while, there's kind of that feeling and there's kind of that rhetoric that goes around a little bit. And so when I did wholeheartedly get into startup world with um, Serve Nutrition, um, it, it was different. It was very, very different. And you kind of had to just literally rec recreate the wheel where for the franchises, you don't have that. And so for me, for my personality, I definitely prefer the franchise model, but I did dip my toes into multiple startup businesses from a nonprofit, which is still running today, almost four years now, um, Serve Nutrition, which was around for about two years. And then I had a real estate investing business as well for years. And uh, I love it. I think it's amazing. But I agree with you. Like at the end of the day, like demystifying what it really is and how franchises over here and startup is here. It's all startup. If you're starting a business from the ground up, I mean, it's a startup and there's no guaranteed success because franchise are a license deal versus you just having an idea and thinking of it and running with it, doing a service business online or a product business just online. It's all startup. It's all hard. It all takes the same kind of grind and ingenuity and creativity and hard work to be able to make it successful. So um, it's, de I, it's I definitely all it's definitely all entrepreneurship. One hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. There's I, I do. I do have a, a little bit of a sidebar on the startup thing because a startup doesn't come with an owner's manual. Yep. But that doesn't mean you're not a startup founder when you go into your chain of franchises. So you can yeah. be, you can do both at the same time. And that's, that's the hardest part, I think, about, uh, you know, you talk about these little, little things that these little tidbits that I drop for those that I meet with or do calls with or talk to regularly. And I, I say that a lot. I say, you need to know this, what you're trying to start does not come with an owner's manual. And one of the things that, and by the way, I believe that's, you know, statistically your chances of succeeding with a franchise are remarkably higher for that reason. Cause you know, in a, when you have that day one startup, the, the issue is, is every time anything or something happens, it's the first time. So, yeah. you know, you don't have that reference. You don't have a, a, a on many days, an 800 number to call. Now, you know, so many, and I think it's unfair as well to put all franchises in the same category, because if you are franchise unit three, 
on someone else's concept, you might as well be in the startup. Found, you're a you're a founder yeah. of that chain on many levels. They don't levels have the infrastructure too, made out yet to help you. Oh no, oh no. Now, if you go and open something like Subway, so you know, at one of the five colleges that I dropped out of on my way to becoming a junior. <laughs> And that's true. I think I'm a junior. I don't even know if that's true or not. But one of them was, was a top 10 business school. And they always, it's funny because they, they, business schools have a tendency to kind of have some lanes like your Acme Corp uh, makes widgets is always the like the thing. But Subway at the time, that was like, a, this was at Indiana University and they were always using Subway. So because Subway has like 15,000 franchise units, that's a tested that's a tested model. And, you know, a lot of the other ones that, that come out there too. And, you know, they are, they're very, they're very tested. They're very, they're very repetitive. They're very predictable in many ways. And a lot of them come with just like, and that's, that's the whole thing. It's that uh, death by a thousand tiny cuts is why so many startups fail. Cause it's just this like, it's just this nagging, nagging thing. And, And if the other Matt, Matt Watson was here, I guarantee you right now he'd talk about the backpack. So the backpack is all the stuff you choose to pick up and do or don't do, or that you carry with you on your way to the mountaintop. And that's that, you know, I say death by a thousand tiny cuts, but it's having to stop and do this, having to stop and do that. It's this thing you like, there's so many things that you need to buy or do or whatever that even the greatest of planners don't consider. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's the stuff. Now, now when you have 15,000, a 15,000 unit franchise model, they'll kind of tell you down to the penny. 100%. You know, they'll, they'll yep. be, they'll be, uh, so let, we can, we can kind of begin to wrap this up with a funny story. What's, what's something you, and so you've had a couple things that you've pioneered and done. What's, yeah. what's a, what's a, what's a funny mistake or fail that you look back at and you're like, God, I can't believe that would work or something you forgot to consider. Um, I think of when I first, well, I don't know about that, that first story, but I, when you think of something funny that's happened to you, I, I think of when I first got into business, I had no clue what I was doing when I was doing my Rocky mountain. None of us L- did literally no clue what I was doing. I was 22 years old. Didn't really know how to hire. Definitely didn't know how to train people properly. Terrified of, 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 doing something wrong. And um, I had a couple of employees that were doing well because I wasn't training them well. Didn't know how to get rid of them. So I uh, fired them through text message. Ooh. And I think back to that and I'm like, what was I doing? You know, like, what was I doing? And a lot of my funny things, like I, I think of around firing people because in that first year, there were several times where I tried to get rid of somebody and I would even... Um, elevated and got better to the point of doing it in person and, uh, you know, brought them in and had every interest of saying, Hey, this isn't working out. But in that conversation, I freaked out so bad where I ended up not only keeping them, but also giving them a raise that happened to me one time because I was so nervous on the spot and everything. And then they started talking about the things that they were doing that were actually good. And I was like, Oh yeah, well that makes sense. And like, Oh yeah, by the way, Here's what I kind of what I was thinking. I was like, oh yeah, well I think that's fair. And afterwards, I was like, oh my gosh, no way! Like 22 year old Isaac had no clue what he was doing. But on the job training, after years and years, you you learn, you get better. 
like God. You know, it's funny you, t- you talk about firing because you know look as that's an inevitable thing that's going to come up if you own a business and uh, i took me a little bit and then and then here's the thing i got like i i go back to that binary kind of robotic map that i described earlier it's like yeah now, now i i had a mentor so look these are adults and you'll find that the best, like if they were smart people, you sit them and they haven't done a good job. You sit down and you're like, Hey, I got to make a change. Those people are like, you know what? I get it. I really ruined this 100%. opportunity. And yeah. it's the people that aren't that bright that fight you. They like sit there and like, what do you mean? This is a shock. And you're like, did you really have, like, really? I have been telling, I have been telling you. Have you had any of those that, people are shocked? Oh, sure, really? sure. And now keep in mind, dude, I've had a lot of employees at oh, this yeah. point. I, I used to manage 15 locations for a retail chain before I did stuff on my own. But yeah, I mean, it's it's there's a definitely the the worst employees. One thing that I've learned over time when it came to employees is the good ones are good right away. Yep. They're not, they're like, and you know, and the and and some people are, I've yet to find a real challenger to that principle. Now you can have people that aren't good right away and then maybe they're okay later, uh, but they're never, they're never your, That's your marquee true. performers. They're never your all stars and stuff like that. And you know, another thing we had a, we, Matt and I did a uh, episode with Cameron Harold and Cameron's known as the CEO whisperer. He was uh, the COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He uh, was uh, uh, the the executive coach for Marcel Clary of Sprint, and wow. and he said, "Look, you have three different you have three different categories of employees. You have racehorses, workhorses, and ones that need to be put out to pasture or sent to the glue factory." <laughs> and and yet, guess what? I, he's right. He's right. Now, a ra- racehorses are. They are what they are, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty, they're proud, you know, they, they catch it, they get washed a little more, they're fast, they want to race, but they're finicky, they're finicky, they're often ego driven, you know, they are what they are, the workhorses that, and you need both, you need a mix. So, you know, you get workhorses that are those just that they care. They just, they pull harder and, and work harder. And, you know, they just, they just, they, they're the workhorse. Yep. And then the ones that, that, that need to be put up past or gone to the glue factory are the people that are kind of dragging the rest of the, the pack down. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and it's tough because, you know, like you don't want to sound inhuman or shitty about the whole thing. But the sooner you put the, some of them out to pasture that aren't going to make it, the better yeah. off your business is. And you mentioned like, that's, that's a super, com- that's a super common issue with a lot of yeah. people. And, um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, I mean, oh man, you, I, you just talk about different things. I mean, I've gone from people that being my biggest advocates to hating me mm-hmm. in a 24 hour period because of a change you had to make and, you know, or something like that. And it's like, damn, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't show up to do business. I'll, I'll join a social club or something like yeah. that, you know, or, or do something, but it's tough because, and a lot of people have had to learn a lot about that this year. That yeah. business is guaranteed to uh, to to present you with tough choices. So, as we yeah. end yet another episode brought to us by FullScale.io, 
you know, remits doing a lot of other things. Uh, what, what's something great you're expecting to happen to you and your business in 2021? Let's end on, let's end on an ultra positive note. Ultra positive note. So my sole focus right now is, is just my yogurt teeny locations and pandemic ending or not, we are just going so hard in social right now, finding different ways for people to connect um, because there aren't a lot. Entertainment's closed. There's not really any entertainment that you can go do right now. So people are really uh, relying on going out to eat and that's their entertainment instead of going restaurant, dessert, entertainment. So we are their entertainment. So we're finding ways to make it an amazing experience for people when they are in our building. So winter's going to be tough. We're using this slow time to really figure out and formulate ways to kick it up a notch for entertainment and events in a safe, socially distanced way inside our stores for 2021. So I am praying and hoping and working towards that happening for this year. And uh, we have three locations now, so things have kind of changed, but we're able to serve people anywhere they are in the city, anywhere you are in the city. There's a yogurt teeny 15 minutes from you. So um we're trying to combine all those locations and kind of do a enrobement of Kansas City. So we're able to serve fun and smiles and delicious froyo to anybody anywhere in the city. So that's our goal. That's what we're going for. And that's what we're going to attain in 2021. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll parlay off that from for my closing remarks here. You know, here's the thing. COVID will end. You mm-hmm. got to start thinking about what you're going to do. You know, I mean, we've been... uh you know, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. This isn't the day that this will truly come out, but we're recording. I, I rarely timestamp these, but we're recording this on November 9th. Uh, and, you know, that's uh, what, a full eight months mm-hmm. after the, you know, the real, uh, you know, installation of, of this chaos. And I, I think that so much about what's occurred is remarkably Darwinistic. And, you know, Darwin very quickly surmised that it's not necessarily the strongest or the smartest, but yet those species that have the best ability to adapt. Yep. And I've seen so many, it's been remarkably inspiring. You look at what like Andy Rieger did over at Rieger Whiskey. Like, I mean, do you want to talk like shit, dude, you get the trophy, you get the pivot, you get the pivot trophy of the year. So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we, we have a, uh, a distillery that's been around forever here, Rieger Whiskey. And uh, Andy's been on the show before and, you know, amidst this massive shortage of hand sanitizer in less than a week, they converted their their entire facility to produce uh, hand sanitizer. And yeah. and then and then he paired up with another multi-time, uh, a multi-episode uh, Startup Hustle alumnus, Matt Basinger, who has axe throwing leagues and, and uh, uh, escape rooms and they teamed up for it to create a distribution channel. Yep. And, you know, like, and it's beautiful. And I've seen so many different stories about, you know, along the way of, of people making the pivot, making the change and, you know, and, and the deeper I look into it, it's the, it's the positive problem solvers that I know that are finding it. It's not the people that, that are, are full of drama or kind of just sitting back and waiting. I mean, they did not mess around. They did not. And got right after it. And, you know, you talk about like the time, what you mentioned earlier, there's a lack of entertainment right now. There's a lack of new entertainment. When was the last time your DVR recorded anything? Yeah. Because I used to have the problem of trying to clear it out. So the programs that 
we wanted. And then all of a sudden it was just blank. And so like, yeah, we looked at that, we're like, well, I guess it's, I guess it maybe, maybe it is a good time to start our web series that we've talked about. I first had notes for that in June of 2019. Wow. So, you know, you talk about waiting for the right moments and certain, in certain times. Now, if you've listened to this enough, you hear, you've heard me say the right time never comes because that's actually an excuse. It's never the right time. You could, that, if you hear yourself saying, I'm waiting for the right time, there are times that are better than others, but you can look at the times when it's advantageous to make a move. If you have the time, resources, people, production, if you have the ability to do it, um, you know, you can take a chance. And like yeah, you definitely. talk about entertainment, I mean, dude, there's really like no new stuff for anything. Like it's, it's uh, so we thought that would be an interesting time to, to garner some attention and focus. And then on top of it, and I'm not foreshadowing this in a down, a, a downward way, the expectation for content is, is a little more reasonable, you know, just meaning like, you know, we're recording this right now. And this is, this is, this is at the same quality of which I watch two guys on ESPN talk about football, Yep. Uh, you know, at like 7am today. So, you know, you can, uh, on many levels, the bar begins to, to equalize and you get the ability to, to do things um, that you might not have ever thought about. Well, Isaac, I'm glad to hear that you are doing well and maybe your dog too. Is that who I hear? I know. I don't know what's going on now. My wife's up. Hey, he's, dogs out of the room. he's partying, dude. He, he heard yeah. what we said. He's all fired up about 2021. So I'm going to get back to work and making some shit happen for next year. So I'll see you next time. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be on again at some point. Yeah, we won't make it 200 episodes next time. How about that? <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.